following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. We're looking for a few good men and women. Since this nation established its freedom and became a nation, one nation under God, there has always been the responsibility of defending and protecting those freedoms and those rights and those privileges. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to start off in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I know it says Daniel chapter 9. We'll get there eventually, but I want to read to you a passage out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And so we're looking for a few good men and women. And all throughout this summer and this fall, we've looked closely at hearing God's call in our life. What is God calling you to do? Uh, these men and women that we uh, gave our thanks to a moment ago, they responded to the call of their country. Uh, they left their home, their family, their hometown, their jobs. Some of them did. Uh, they enlisted in the a branch of military, wherever they served at. They went to boot camp, uh, endured grueling training, uh, conditioned their body, learned how to use their weapons. Some flew airplanes, some drove tanks, some drove jeeps. Some were uh, trained in hand-to-hand combat, how to defend not only themselves, but as they are protecting their country, if they ever had a situation where uh, that would come into play, they knew what to do and how to do it. They also knew a lot about the enemy. They were trained on the enemy that they would be up against as well. Not only did they learn how to handle their own weapons, but they knew what kind of weapons that the enemy would be using as well. So we're still looking for a few good men and women. I'm not talking about the army of the United States of America. I'm talking about the Lord's army. There is a kingdom that we are defending. There is a kingdom that we are fighting for. There is a kingdom that we are constantly recruiting for as well. As I've said before, time and time again, a a larger army conquers more territory. But I want to say that through what we've been learning about hearing from the Lord, and now we're going to step into prayer as our effective weapon, not only does a larger army conquer more territory, but I think a stronger army and a more well-equipped army will defend the kingdom much, much better. So I hope that through this 30-day challenge that we're in right now, spending time with the Lord each and every day, spending time in his word, I hope that that is preparing you and equipping you. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 that one of the main reasons for ministers, pastors, shepherds to be in the position that they're in is for the equipping of the saints. And so now today I want to talk to you about hand-to-hand combat fighting the war on your knees. What kind of weapons that we do we use? See, our, our, our fight is not in a physical realm. Our fight is in a spiritual realm. The Apostle Paul also says uh, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's all stand for the reading of God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3 talks about this battle that we're in, talks about this fight that we're in and how we can fight it more effectively and more efficiently. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I think you would agree with me that right now our country is in the fight for its life, not a physical fight, but a spiritual fight. I know if I notice it, you notice it as well, that our country is in moral decay Our culture is eroding away, it's drawing further and further away from its biblical foundation as one nation under God, but we're still in the fight. And my hope and my prayer through what you see today in this prayer that Daniel makes, it will inspire you to pray more specifically for our nation. Father God, we love you so much and we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for loving us the way that you do, Lord God, and we thank you that you make us capable of overcoming the enemy through our method of prayer. Lord, it's not our only defense. It is our greatest defense. It is something that we have a privilege, Lord God, to come boldly before your throne of grace with our prayers, our supplications, and our petitions. And Lord, we don't want to give up on the fight just yet. We know that there's still a just cause. We know that there is still a reason. There is a hope that we are clinging to that revival will sweep across our nation, Lord God. So I pray that you'll show us through what Daniel went through, how he prayed, and what you did for your nation Israel. And we pray that the same thing will take place here in our country, Lord God, that you would raise up an army of prayer warriors that will be on their knees continuously for this nation. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. So we read about Daniel last week, how uh, there was a decree made that he should not pray or no one should pray to any other God other than the king of Babylon where Daniel was taken in at. We saw that Daniel, even though that decree was made, He prayed to the Lord. He he went three times a day, opened up the window of his room, faced toward Jerusalem, and and found himself in a posture of prayer. And we also saw that God delivered him from the punishment because Daniel believed in his God. Let me just start off by asking you this question this morning. How many of you truly believe that prayer works? All right. I want you to remember that after a while. That was kind of a setup, but... There are some challenges to go along with that. And and so a couple of weeks ago, I I challenged you to take the next 30 days, basically the month of November, spend at least 10 or 15 minutes the first part of your day reading in God's Word. I made several suggestions on how you could do that, Uh, several devotionals, uh, Proverbs, one proverb a day, a chapter of Proverbs a day. And then just take some time to reflect. Be silent, be still before the Lord. And allow him to speak to you. And so we see Daniel here having a conversation with the Lord. His posture of prayer right now is not necessarily a physical posture that I'm talking about. But it was a spiritual, a mental posture. He was broken over the sin of his nation. He was broken over his own sin. And he was desperately calling out to the Lord. Daniel is homesick. 
Babylonian captivity for 70 years. He's nearing the end of that 70-year period. Some seem to think that when uh, Daniel chapter 9 took place, he was 65, 70, 75 years old. He was on up in age. He He has been in Babylon since maybe a teenager, 15 years old. Daniel's name actually means who in the name of God does justice. And he is trying his best to do justice for the kingdom of God and for the nation of Israel as well. Daniel is a statesman. He's a patriot. But right now, he's not a veteran. He's not a warrior. He is a prisoner of war. But even at a time where he was separated from his nation in the temple in Jerusalem, he stayed true to what the Lord had taught him early on in his life. We read early on in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 8, that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself while he was there as captive in Babylon. He would stay true to his Hebrew roots, his Jewish upbringing. Daniel is a veteran in a spiritual sense. He loved his country. He loved his people. But he hated the sin that has put his country in the situation that they're in. You see, there's never been a country or a kingdom that has moved in the direction that the United States of America has moved in and escaped the wrath and judgment of God. You think of all of the great nations that that are now collapsed that don't even exist anymore. Israel even had the wrath of God poured out on them when they turned to sin and turned away from the Lord. So what makes you think that our country is going to move in this direction that it's moving in much longer without the wrath of God being poured out upon it? There are several things that you notice in our country that just aren't right. There are things that you see that just go completely against our Christian rights and our beliefs. In his book, The Power of Positive Praying, John Bazzagno gave these statistics back in the year 2015. He gave these reasons as reasons to pray for our nation. He said this, he said, 81% of our young adults cohabitate. 58% of marriages in the United States end in divorce. Gay marriage is legal in 18 states. Homosexuality is celebrated. The fastest growing religion in America is Islam. The second fastest growing religion is Mormonism. And the third fastest growing religion is the occult. Christianity is only the fourth fastest growing religion in America. More churches closed in America than any year in history back in 2015. And I would have to think that after what we saw in 2020 during the pandemic, that number grew substantially. Looking back at, at, at our Christian rights and privileges and thoughts and people who are going into the ministry, he gives a ministry aspect to it as well. He says 1,500 men and women leave the ministry every month. Not every year, but every month. And only one in five seminary graduates is still in ministry only eight years after graduation. What? in the world is going on in our country. And what can we do about it? 
I think that that should push us into a posture of prayer. That should drive us to our knees each and every day. Say, God, this country that I love, I want to fight for it. I may not be able to go to boot camp. I may not be able to enlist in a branch of service. I may not be able to go to a foreign country to defend my nation, but I could do it right here in my prayer closet on my knees making prayers and petitions before you. How desperate are you to see God move in your life? Have you taken that 30-day challenge? Are you making it a point to get along with the Lord each and every day? Better yet, how desperate are you to see God move and change our nation? And what are you willing to do about it? If you really do believe that prayer works, that should motivate you to do something about it. Does prayer work? Have we seen a major shift in our country because of prayer? If you'll remember earlier this year, there were some major advancements made in our abortion laws to hopefully wipe that scourge away from our nation. Just recently, we've seen a new Speaker of the House. He's a man of prayer. And if you'll remember, not too long ago, our our previous Speaker of the House was not a Christian. At least he didn't act like one anyway. This new Speaker of the House, he's, he's a bold Christian. And he could be found praying for his fellow politicians unashamedly. He believes in prayer and he is a Christian. And we see prayers throughout our nation just like that being answered. But if our Wednesday night crowd for prayer meeting is any indication to our desperation, we we still have a long way to go. Just like us, When we read Daniel chapter 9, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I challenge you to go back and read it for yourself. If you need a pattern of prayer, this is an excellent one to go by. Just like us, Daniel was broken over the current situation of his nation, and he decided to do something about it. See, when he was delivered from the lion's den, he believed in his God, and his God rescued him. And Daniel said, God, I've seen you do it before. I've seen you do it in my life, and I know that you can do it for my nation as well. And this prayer that Daniel gives in chapter 9 is developed out of something that he saw while he was reading God's word. So do you want to know why I want you to take this 30-day challenge and set aside 10 minutes to read God's word and then reflect on what God is saying to you? Because the situation is just like this that Daniel is in. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, we see that Daniel was broken over the sins of his nation. Point number 1, Daniel was broken over the sins of his nations. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, and if that name Ahasuerus is uh, familiar to you, uh, we also see that king mentioned in the book of Esther. So we have the story of Esther going on in the background while Daniel is in captivity here in Babylon. Chronologically, they are taking place at about the same time. Esther is probably in the first part of the book that you're holding, the Bible that you're holding. But in chronological order, Esther and Daniel are taking place along the same times. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, 
of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Uh, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the year specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Daniel saw something in the scriptures that drove him to his knees to pray. By the word of God, the New Living Translation that we're going through in the chronological order puts it this way. I learned from reading the word of God. And these are some reasons why I want you to parallel your Bible study with what you're praying about. On Wednesday nights, whenever we go through a book, we're going to Deuteronomy right now. We just started that study. But in the book of Acts, I always gave you some specific things to pray over that we were seeing in the scriptures. And Daniel saw something just through his reading of God's word that opened his eyes and illuminated his mind to what was going on in this situation. And it caused him to pray. So let me ask you this question. When you get up in the morning, what is the first thing that you reach for? You reach for your cell phone? You reach for a glass of water? Do you reach for the remote control to turn the TV on? Or do you reach for your Bible to say, God, I want you to speak to me before I see anything else going on in my life? Before I open up Facebook, before I open up social media or look at the news or anything like that, I want to open up your word and I want you to show me what you have prepared for me today. And I want you to give me through your word something specific that I can pray about. R.A. Torrey had this to say in his book of how to pray. He says, and I quote, the prayer that is born of meditation upon the word of God is the prayer that soars upward most easily to God's listening ear, end quote. How about that? A prayer that is birthed out of reading something through the scriptures, those are the one that captures God's attention. And that's what happened to Daniel here. Man, when he sees it in God's word, he begins praying like he's never prayed before. And here's the thing that I want you to see in verse 3. Point number 2, Daniel was intentioned during his prayer time about his location. Daniel was broken over the sins of his nation and he was intentional about his location. Verse number three, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications. We saw last week that during a time when this decree was made, it was prohibiting prayer. Daniel prayed anyway. He didn't just pray. He didn't hide. He didn't try to conceal it. But he went to his upper room. The prayer and the location were specific during this time. They were important. He went to his upper room and he faced Jerusalem, the place where he was homesick for. And with the windows open, he knelt down to pray. But in this situation here, there's no uh, nothing prohibiting for him from praying. But yet he mentions here that he set his face toward the Lord. This time after God's word pierced his heart, he set his face toward God. He went boldly before the throne of grace to find help in his time of need. When is the last time that you went before the Lord and said, Lord, I want, I want to see you face to face. I want to have a face to face conversation with you. I'm coming before your throne of grace 
with nothing in between me and you, nothing distracting me, nothing getting in the way, nothing causing me uh, to focus my attention on something else. But I want to see your face, Lord. And I want to have a conversation in an intimate way that I don't normally have. Basically, that's what Daniel is saying. Say, God, this is a serious matter. Seventy years of desolation written in the book of Jeremiah. He prophesied it. Lord, when is this 70 years going to end? But also I see what caused this 70 years of desolation. Lord, this is a matter that I want to address to you face to face. I'm not worried about going to Jerusalem. I'm not worried about uh, that the temple is laid in desolation. But this is just between me and you. When is the last time that you considered yourself face-to-face with the God of all creation during your time of prayer? Do you ever think of prayer in that way? Do you ever think that this conversation that I'm having, it's not falling on deaf ears? And my prayer and my petition, my supplication that I'm bringing, I'm not bringing to just some random person, but I'm bringing it to the God of all creation. The only one that can do something about it. And Daniel says, this situation that we're in, it's important enough for me to set my face toward you. Do you make general prayers? Or are your prayers driven by something specific in your life or in your situation? What are the things that are going on that drive you to prayer. And what kind of a position do you put yourself in? What kind of a posture? What kind of a mindset are you in? When you approach God's throne of grace, David wrote in the book of Psalms, chapter 28, verse 8, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face will I seek. Not only was Daniel in a position before God, But look at what else he does to show his level of desperation. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, with sackcloth and ashes. When was the last time you fasted over a matter? You said, God, this is more important to me than food or drink. This is a situation that I'm desperate to get an answer for and I'm not going to do anything else until I hear from you. Sackcloth, it was an outward appearance of what's going on, just the mourning and the pain that he was in. The ashes, they they were all signs of just how desperate Daniel was over this situation. Folks, if, if we really believe that prayer changes things, Our prayer life is not going to be the same old, same old. It's not going to be something normal. It's not going to be something natural. It's not going to be something ordinary. It's going to be something extraordinary. It's going to be something totally different from any other time of prayer that we've ever spent before in our life. And when we wake up and see the situation that our country really is in, the dangerous path of destruction that it's on, we might spend some time... (laughs) In fasting, 
sackcloth, ashes, doing something to show God, well, I'm in pain over the situation of my nation. I'm in pain over the lost condition of my family member and my friends. And I want to see you do something on their behalf. This was by no means a typical prayer for Daniel. This prayer was desperate and intentional. Daniel was a soldier. He was going to war and he was going to battle for his country. He had very specific reasons to pray and he had very specific issues that he wanted the Lord to deal with. Not only did Daniel pray specifically for his nation, not only did Daniel go to a specific location, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually as well, but Daniel was specific with his prayers and supplications. Maybe that jumped out at you when we went through that list. Maybe you're looking at what's going on here and you say, what is the difference between a prayer and a supplication? Are they the same thing? Are they different? A prayer is general. A prayer can be a prayer of thanksgiving. A prayer can be a prayer of praise. It can be a prayer of letting God know just how appreciative you are of the blessings in your life. But a supplication is much, much more specific than that. When a supplication is made, there is a need, a specific need. There is a condition, there is a hunger that needs to be satisfied. And Daniel has a specific situation that he's in right now. Seventy years of desolation that was written in your word. My people are still in sin. We are still in Babylonian captivity and we want to go home. God, would you please do something to turn their hearts around and help them to repent of their sins so we can end the 70 years of desolation. Charles Spurgeon in his book, The Power of Prayer, had this to say. He says, no matter where you find a man, you will meet one who will ask for supernatural help in his distress. I believe in the truthfulness of this instinct and I believe that man prays because there is something in prayer. When the creator gives his creature the power of thirst, it is because water exists to meet that thirst. When he creates hunger, there is food to correspond to the appetite. And even so, when he inclines men to pray, it is because prayer has a corresponding blessing connected with it. Do you make general prayers or are your prayers driven by something specific in your life or your situation? Maybe you have a prayer list. Maybe you have certain things that you pray for each and every day. Family member, coworker, an illness. Maybe you have a top three, a top five list. I don't know what your prayer life looks like. But do you have some supplications in there, some very, very specific needs that you're asking God for? Jesus said in the pattern of prayer, he said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find and knock and it'll be open to you. That word knocking there is a continual action. It's not just to knock one time and wait, but it's to keep op- uh, knocking until that door is open. And those supplications that you present before the Lord, that is a matter that you see 
that is desperate enough in your life for you to continually make those supplications before the Lord over. He says, I set my face before the Lord and I made requests by prayer and supplication. And he begins his prayer. He said, oh Lord, great and awesome. Who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments? We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. You see how specific that is? Daniel said, I take ownership in this as well. I'm just as much of a part of it as they are. But we've departed from your precepts. We've broken your covenant. Out of your love for us, you have blessed us and you've given us the commandments to live by. And we've departed from those. And he's very, very specific about his act of repentance and his act of petition and his act of supplication to the Lord. And here's the last thing that I want you to see. Point number four. I'm going to let you read the rest of this prayer for yourself. Uh, in verse 13, he goes back to the laws of Moses that he had given. He said Moses made a, a definite statement that uh, if you obey the Lord, blessings are going to be yours. If you disobey the Lord, cursings are going to come out upon you. He goes back again to God's word in that prayer. But in the end, what he says, he says, Lord, I want you to cause your face to shine on me in verse 17. And the last point that I want to make is that God responds to our cries of desperation. We see this in verses 18 and 19. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds. Get this, if you want a motive for your prayer, here it is right here. But because of your great mercies. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, I challenge you to underline that, put a date by it, an asterisk. We don't go to the Lord with our supplication because of any righteous act that we've committed. But we go before the Lord and we believe that prayer works because of his great mercies for us. Lamentation says that the Lord makes his mercies new each and every day. Great is his love for us. God responds to our cries of desperation. He says, not because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies, O Lord. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God. But your city and your people are called by your name. What did the nation of Israel need during this time? What, what does our nation need right now? There it is in verse 18. We need God's great mercies to be poured out upon our nation. We need God to forgive us of the sins that we've allowed to take place in our nation. Folks, we need a breakthrough and we need revival. And we need an army of believers that will say, I'm committed to pray for my church, 
my community, my nation. I'm willing to make prayers and supplications. I'm willing to do some fasting. I'm willing to do some sackcloth. And I'm willing to make some sacrifices to pray. And I want my posture of prayer to be one that is humbly bowed down before the Lord because I'm broken over the sins of my life and my nation. We need the hand of Almighty God to pour out his mercy on our country. We, we need warriors. Let me ask you this. Are you a warrior or are you a worrier? <laughs> Do you worry about the situation in our nation without doing anything about it? Are you a warrior that will take up the gospel armor and you'll go into battle each and every day and you'll fight for what you really believe in. We need to be in a posture of prayer for our country. Does God hear our prayers? How do we know that what we pray for falls upon the ears of God? Let's continue reading. I want you to see what happens as he makes this prayer. Because this was not just a typical prayer. This was not just an ordinary prayer. It had a very specific motive. It had a very powerful man that was closely connected to the Lord. It had a man praying for his nation who had purposed in his heart that he wasn't going to defile himself. But look at what happened as he was praying. Verse 20. Now while I was speaking praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. What would you do if that happened during your prayer time? (laughs) We'd be scared to death, wouldn't we? When is the last time that you've turned your face toward the Lord and began making prayers and supplications? I mean an intense, intentional time of prayer and immediately God began speaking to you over that situation. Has that happened recently? Is that something that you want to happen or is that something you're afraid is going to happen because God might ask you to do something? But while he was speaking, God sent a messenger to reveal to him what was fixing to take place. And God gives Daniel this vision of what's going to be taking place after that moment. Daniel believed in the power of prayer. Daniel had a connection with the God that he loved. Daniel loved his nation and he was willing to fight for it. Here's the thing that I want you to notice most of all about Daniel's life. We're probably going to go to the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, maybe the book of Esther next week. We're going to see what happened after the Babylonian captivity took place. I don't think that Daniel got to completely see the results of all of his prayers. But God gave him a glimpse of what was going to take place. And then the people afterwards got to enjoy the results of Daniel's prayers. And here's the thing that you need to know about your prayers. You may not see the answer to them on this side of heaven. 
You may not see them get answered. But if you truly believe in the power of prayer and if you're faithfully praying, your prayers are not falling on deaf ears. When you pray, I want you to have the the picture of God bending an ear down towards your location. He says, I hear your heart. I see your brokenness. This isn't the first time that you pray this prayer. And I'm going to reward you for your faithfulness. Here's the thing that I want you to see about Daniel. Daniel was a prisoner of war. He was in Babylon. He wasn't in his hometown. He had been there for 55, 65, maybe 70 years or so. But he stayed faithful and he stayed true to the God that he loved. No matter what decrees or ordinances were placed against him, no matter what temptations came his way, here's the thing that I want you to learn about Daniel. Daniel didn't let the world around him change who he was. Daniel let who he was change the world around him. Let me say that again. I think it's important, and I think it's important for us to understand that in the day and time that we're living in. Daniel didn't let the world around him change who he was, but he let who he was change the world and what was going on around him. Are you a game changer for the kingdom of God? Are you one that is willing to make sacrifices and fight the good fight of faith? There's a reward at the end for you. There's a blessing to be obtained. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm not talking about material blessings. I'm talking about spiritual blessings. And there's something that we need to make sure that the generation following us will know who God is. And they will continue to enjoy the freedoms and the privileges that we've enjoyed in our lifetime. Do you really believe in the power of prayer? And are you willing to put yourself in a posture of prayer? Not not just physically, but spiritually and mentally as well. Are you broken over the condition of our country? And are you willing to do something about it? Our passage last week, Daniel was delivered from the den of lions because he believed in his God. You see, to become a Christian, there are many different things that you have to believe in. God so loved the world that he gave his only one, uh, only begotten son in it. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. To become a Christian, what's the first thing you need to believe in? You need to believe that I'm a sinner. I fall short of God's glory. I have a sin nature. I have a desire in myself to do what I want to do instead of what God wants me to do. And the Bible even goes as far to say as that we are at enmity with God. We are totally opposed to God and that sin nature. That's the first thing that you have to believe. You have to believe that there is an eternal destination for each and every person. You're either going to spend eternity in hell or heaven. Do you believe in a literal hell and a literal heaven? That's something else that you need to believe in to become a Christian. Do you believe in Jesus' sacrificial death? One of the doctrines that we learned about in Sunday school this morning was his propitiation. He was our substitute for our sin. Do you believe that Jesus was a real person that lived a sinless life and that died on a cruel Roman cross 
take the place of your sins. Do you believe in that? And do you believe that he was buried in a borrowed tomb for three days and after three days he rose up again to be with his, at the right hand of his father? But also do you believe in the return of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that at some point in time Jesus is going to come back to redeem those and take back those who are rightfully his? Those are just a few things that you need to believe in to become a Christian. But if you truly believe in the power of prayer, your belief is going to cause you to do something about it. It's going to cause you to take action. And it's going to cause you to do just like Daniel. To be a prayer warrior, you must believe with all of your heart that your time of prayer has significance. You see, what you believe will change who you are and what you do. Last week, Daniel believed that God would save him from the lion's den, and he did. And this week, Daniel believed that God would end the 70 years of captivity and restore Jerusalem, and he did. We're going to find out more about that next week. What do you believe in today? Have you believed in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you made that decision, that step of faith, to ask him to come into your heart and save you. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Every head bowed and every eye closed. During this invitation, we are in a posture of prayer. We are at a time when your prayers make a difference. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, if you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you've been born again, right now you should be praying for those around you. That God would speak to their hearts and give them the courage to respond during this time of invitation. If you're here today and you don't know where you'll spend eternity, What have you believed in? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you're here today and you say, Brother Tracy, I just don't know for sure where I'll spend eternity. Here's what you need to believe in. 1 John chapter 5 says, He who has the Son, that's Jesus, has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Jesus himself even said this. He said, he who is with me has eternal life. But he who is not with me, he will face his eternity in hell. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that your sins have been forgiven and that the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you of all your sins? It's by faith that you are saved. Ephesians 2.8 says it is by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. And if you have never accepted that gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, 
I want to offer you that opportunity today. If you've never prayed a prayer of faith, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and save you, you can pray something like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that my sin has separated me from you. And Lord, I don't want to spend eternity in hell. I want to be with you forever. So in the best way I know how, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. And help me to live my life for you forevermore. If you'll pray a prayer like that, just pour out your heart to him. He will save you. Father God, I just come before you today, committing this time of invitation to you, Lord God. God, I want to be a prayer warrior like Daniel was. I want to be a person who is constantly fighting for my family, my church, my country, and your kingdom. I thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to make the sacrifice for my sins. And that it's through your blood that I have redemption. It's through your blood that my life is made new. My prayer right now, Lord God, is if there's anyone here who has never made that decision, that today would be that day they'd step out in faith and give you their lives. We just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.